Did you know that Bonfireside Chat is entirely listener-supported? We make our money from people who listen to us, either through um, our Amazon referral link or from our store or, most notably, from patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Um, It helps keep the lights on. It lets us do live shows. Um, It lets us travel for, like, this Ohio Game Developers Expo that we're doing in November. Helps us out. Lets us do cool things. So if you want to help us out, to do cool things, head on over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Step lightly round to the right of the great cathedral and seek an ancient shrouded church. The gift of the Godhead will grant you strength. Yes, I'm unquestionably certain. (laughs) Not even death offers solace, and the blood imbibes you. (laughs) Oh, Amidala! Oh, Amidala! (laughs) Have mercy on the poor bastard! My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Sean Wagoner. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a Hunter's favorite. Yes, and this week we are talking about the Nightmare Frontier, along with kind of the first floor of the lecture building. And as you heard, we are joined by Sean, the person who runs uh, the Lore Hunter website. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you very much. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about what you do with the Souls games. Yeah, so uh, I uh, I came I came to the Souls games a little bit later. I, uh, I I don't know if this makes me a first, but I'm kind of a spawn of Bonfireside Chat. Actually, hmm. I started I started playing Dark Souls when I was in college, just a little bit after it came out. But um, I I got caught up on Ornstein and Smo, and I just kind of uh, gave up on it. And uh, it wasn't until Dark Souls Two was uh, soon to be released that I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't really make it on dark souls one, but maybe I should try two. And before that I should find out what this story I heard existed was all about. <laughs> so I just looked up a podcast cause I listened to a lot of podcasts and, uh, I found you guys and it kind of just went from there. I, once I had a basis for the war in the world, that sort of became my thing. It, you know, it's, it's not so much the challenge of the games that draws me. It's, how they tell stories. So I just kind of went from when it comes to Bloodborne, this was my first chance to really be a part of the community. And I hadn't really been around for pre-release before. So I just got really into it, started writing speculation essentially. And uh, I made a website that was originally intended to be my own lore stuff and be the lore hunter trying to solve things. But (laughs) it's evolved into a website that's about collecting the content that the community creates as a whole. So the war hunter, as in I'm finding cool things that people write about bloodborne and sharing that and archiving it. Yeah. It's hard to stay uh, on top of that stuff. Like the people who, um, you know, within a week of the game, uh, it's release 
have a like a full treatise on on everything. Like that would be something I couldn't really do. Um, and before one of the things about like how we handle it, which is obviously very slow, um, as evidenced <laughs> by the fact that like we're not talking about Dark Souls three, we're talking about roughly two thirds of the way through Bloodborne still, you know. Um, <laughs> is that uh, we have the benefit of everyone who kind of comes through that and we can we can read everyone's thoughts and then kind of reflect on it and add our own things, and uh, which is kind of how I also see the, the lore hunter. Because every once in a while you will do like an original post as well. Um, but like us, it sounds like you're informed by that greater community, which I think is really in the kind of collaborative spirit of uh, the Souls games, yeah, which is super really, cool. There's really nobody who was collecting stuff, which was, which was strange to me because you'd, you know, you have your individual channels like Vadi and ENB and uh, Dave Control Live and everybody. But unless you want to be on YouTube, then you'll probably be on YouTube. But maybe you don't like Reddit like a lot of people. <laughs> and I happen to be part of that community, so I can pull that out. So you don't have to cipher through the not so good content. Yeah, or the not so good format. Like anytime I just do a search where like, hey, uh, is Kanehurst a castle full of Thumerians? Everything that I pull back is is posts from Reddit, and that is I don't know if it's just my eyes. I, I do I need to put on like the they live glasses to understand that? But like it it is nice to have this in a in a kind of uh, I hate this word curated or I guess more accurately collated place where it's kind of like codified, you know, and you you attribute stuff and everything like it's still there. Like everything goes back to the people who did the work, but this is kind of a place, you know, where it's set in stone as opposed to being a living, breathing part of a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. So we're glad to, uh, to have you on here. And, and part of the reason for people listening that I asked, uh, Sean to join us for this episode is, uh, me and Sean are Twitter friends and he was, uh, kvetching about the nightmare frontier in ways that echoed a lot of my own thoughts. So I thought, uh, I would stack the deck <laughs> and get some get some ringers on anti uh, nightmare frontier team, uh, not not versus Cole or anything either. Yeah, I was going to say, of, geez, you, you could have just asked me how I felt about it. No, just just versus the world. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's me and Sean versus the world and, and nightmare really? frontier. Um, no, and and Cole. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm no, I'm not, like, leave yeah. leave me out if you want to. But is this really a beloved area? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I've have. I've heard a lot of people just kind of like, Ugh, mm-hmm. but not a lot of people who are way into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll get into all the reasons why. Um, but I really, I mean, I came away from it. I revisited it a couple times for the show, and I really came away thinking it's one of the weakest ga- areas in the series. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just it doesn't uh, doesn't do a lot, and uh, mechanically, I find it more frustrating than than fun at almost every turn. Um, but you know, before we get into that, we have a little preamble, and uh, we also have to to pay homage to our history. Um, Cole, what did we do uh, last time? Well, previously, we took a horse and buggy ride to the Forsaken Castle Kanehurst, one of the many optional areas in Bloodborne. Hint, this uh, this area is optional as well, uh, to get a good look at how the Blood Scourge has affected uh, kind of a different kingdom, right? After killing Martyr Logarius and letting our friend Alfred grind an immortal to a pulp, uh, we have uh, decided to follow the advice of a mysterious man who gave us a strange stone. I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, him grinding into a pulp, I started thinking, like, I want to live like Kanehurst people. <laughs> I want to live like Kanehurst people do. Um, uh, which, you know, not a joke or anything. It just uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, we're, we're kind of we're we're not as that far from the end of the game. We're, we're hitting these these side areas, which in the case of this one leads to another side area because you mm-hmm. need to complete this area to do the chalices. 
um, the ultimate side area. <laughs> and uh, that stone we're talking about is, uh, and we mentioned this before, is that um, at a certain point, uh, after you beat Amelia in the Forbidden Woods, the game makes it so all houses in the game uh, contain a strange <laughs> man who gives you this tonsil stone and tells you to go to a church uh, that is east of the cathedral where you beat Amelia. And uh, if you go there, and you can't get rid of this stone, it's kind of a curse. If you get there, um, and we'll talk about the path to get there, but I'm just kind of giving the background for the area. Um, an amygdala grabs you and brings you into this this area, into the lecture hall that brings you here. So you get sucked in there, which is as cool a moment as getting kidnapped, I think. <laughs> yep. The first time it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? Uh, but you can actually get here through just the lecture hall without doing that as well. Right. This is just the most common way. Sean, did you get? Uh, did you get snatched by the amygdala to get here? My my first playthrough, I, uh, I I went through the Nightmare Frontier almost last. That was after I'd gone through the other way, so I came down the ladder. Hmm. So I didn't get to experience that, which is unfortunate, because that cutscene might be the best part about what we're going to talk about tonight. So I did experience it in later playthroughs, but it's kind of unfortunate I couldn't discover it that way, because I'm sure that would have been a very uh, another one of those great moments, like when you enter the Gaol. So that was yeah. It's a real a draw, jaw-dropping thing. Um, so what this this is, um, is that the Great Ones um, have this kind of alternate reality, this nightmare realm that you can you can go to to by dreaming. We later meet a character who, who does that and kind of takes up permanent residence in one. And these can either be uh, kind of existing places. We've been to some dreams before. Um, the Hunter's Workshop is a dream um, because we saw the real live version. So it either replicates existing building uh, places or sucks real places into this nightmare world. And we're going to see see an example of that in this area. Um, this is a place where the, the Great Ones actually live. And uh, mortal creatures are kind of trapped here um, and are, are changed. Um, there is just, and something I just found out replaying, is that there's just one nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you can see the Nightmare of Mensis uh, from here. Hmm. When previously I thought they were the same place, but you can actually see the Tower of Mensis when from when you first exit the cave in the Nightmare Frontier. Yeah. Uh, so it is uh, it is one big place. It is one alternate reality, not like a pocket dimension. Oh, so it's like the astral plane, or or just the Dreamlands. Yeah. Again, just throwing Lovecraft stuff left <laughs> and right. Like this is like a, a really terrible version of the Dreamlands. <laughs> it sounded like you had something to add there, Sean. Sorry if I, I cut you off. Yeah, I, I just learned that uh, going through my second time. And one, once you see that you're in the Nightmare of Mensis, it's it's a cool moment because at first I hadn't seen any connections and I kind of like being able to see other areas. But the other thing is, is it really is just right there. It's hard to miss once you know it's there. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just there right when you leave that cave. If you look to your left, you see Mensis. You look to your right, you see Amygdala's arena. And they're they're clear as day. Hmm. Um, but I never thought to look before, before this playthrough. Cause that was one of the, in researching this, that was one of the lore questions I was trying to answer is like, is this, is there just one nightmare or is there, you know, with many different locations or are these like little, little places, like somebody dreams this because later it's implied when we meet Mensis, um, or meet, uh, Mikolash in Mensis that he, uh, he created that dream. Like when you, and we'll get to that. Um, but it seems like that's, that's the case. And, and I, I actually believe that's not the case. It's just, he thinks that's the case and that's how, you know, he's just kind of here because, because he's transcended here, which is a very, like that happens to Randolph Carter and 
in Lovecraft. Like that's a super, super dreamlands thing. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that this is this is like a chaos place that is kind of shaped by this other stuff outside of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh, I, I didn't realize. So, uh, you, you know, you, you you come out and you look at this place and it's all it, like it all appears very samey to me. So now I need to go and like make a point of looking at that. Me, me too. Like all the times I came here first, I never thought to because it, mm -hmm. it like this this location washes off my eyes like <laughs> so, so easily. Like it is just uh, it, it repels examination. <laughs> um, so I had you have to will myself to look at everything. Yeah. Um, before we go there, though, um, there's kind of a neat little side trip because there's this kind of bridge location, um, which is this lecture hall from Bergenworth that got sucked into this dimension and kind of unstuck. Um, you know, and and there's kind of these ties to uh, to Loran, which because we find these Loran dark beasts that have also been sucked in. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and this is kind of watched over by Amygdala, and that pronunciation will never cease to frustrate me. Yeah, well, it, it's it's a uh, and there and the reason why, and we'll just go say it now, is that um, the amygdala, which mm -hmm. is a part of your brain, deals with fear. Yeah, fear and uh, memory. Yeah. So this end, which is our obviously thematically sound for Bloodborne, mm -hmm. um, but everyone in the game pronounces it amygdala. <laughs> so it is it is a you know he spells and pronounces his name differently. You know that it's, kind of thing. It's it's like Luke and Leia's mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, we've seen this guy represented in statue everywhere. He's worshipped widely. Yeah. Um, in Yarnum. Yeah. So that side area is this lecture building, and I think that that kind of leads into the thesis, which applies a little bit to a little bit to both of them, but mostly to the uh, to, to to the Nightmare Frontier, uh, which is kind of that this is like a side road where you get this trial run at seeing the metaphysics of the Great Ones, right? Like this isn't the main show. This is only kind of tangentially related to the main story. Um, and also, this is a test run at some mechanics and designs that probably should have been tested more. Yeah, it's it's actually a really weird area, just in the fact that if you're going to make an optional area, this has to be the strangest choice from like a narrative point of view, a mechanics point of view, just because you can get here really early if you want for what I think is doable at this point in the game even though it gives you pretty good rewards it, it's just it honestly it just seems like a nightmare which is kind of a <laughs> you know obvious but yeah the idea really feels yeah i mean when i when i was first able to get here i was not leveled for it or i wasn't prepared anyway mm -hmm. yeah it, out of the two optional areas you can go to early i mean one of them's not optional but you can when you can go to yahagul early the rewards for going to yahagul early are much greater i think um, kind of sequence breaking going to the lecture building or going to the lecture building into the nightmare frontier as soon as you can. Uh, like there are some upgrade materials you can get and a couple of, of runes that are decent, um, but not enough to make it worth the risk, I don't think. And then after I went through it, like we always talk about the greatest reward for ex exploration is more game, but I, it's like, it's, it's an area that's not that fun to explore. It has got a boss fight I like. But then mm -hmm. unlocks a chalice dungeon that's not that fun to explore either <laughs> and ends up just kind of feeling uh, not worth it to me, um, especially given that now that I know it's the same place, like it gives you that peak of the metaphysics, but it's not the only expression of it. Right. The, it it's an idea that's expressed much stronger later. Yeah. Um, even <laughs> down to the shitty frenzy mechanic, which we'll talk about, which is introduced <laughs> in force here. As much as I hate the frenzy section of... Uh, nightmare of mensis mm -hmm. i like it more than i like the frenzy section here 
where I'm lower leveled, I'm less prepared for it, and <laughs> the environment is not made for it. What's funny is, and this is just kind of a little bit of speculation and maybe getting into end of episode territory, this feels like the the run-up to the Nightmare of Mensis was going to be longer. Um, mm. And one, they figured out kind of later on that it was uh, that it was kind of weak um, and decided instead of getting rid of it, let's shunt it off into this optional uh, kind of place that's roughly in the same world. <laughs> like that's all I can think of is they cut the mandatory portion of the nightmare in half and made uh, and, and took the remnant and made it optional. Well, that's part of it. That's possible. Or they just need somewhere for Amigdala to live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Amigdala, Amigdala, who I cannot figure out much to his lore, like other than that, he's just showing that there is a host of great ones. Yeah. Right. Like there are, there are a bunch of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one of them. And they don't have a unified mission or, um, you know, kind of kind of point of view, and that's what that seems to suggest to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my, yeah, my general theory is that um, I think any amygdalas or you know false false gods as they're called in the guide, um, a lot of people use that to represent that maybe amygdala is not a great one or that there's something else going on. But I think the one in the Nightmare Frontier is amygdala. And the other ones that we see in the waking world are false gods in that they're projections of Amygdala or they're they're somehow all coming from this one source. Yeah. But they're they're just other ones. As far as to the origins of Amygdala, there's there's not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so there there's evidence later on that that like that the the, the Amygdala that we're seeing is kind of in decline. Hmm. Yeah, like the, the, there's dialogue with Patches uh, that we're going to get to that's like, oh, you just did them a favor. Yeah. 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 Even though, I mean, Patches is he's trustworthy, <laughs> but he's not he's not that trusty. The, um, his, his, his uh, di- you know, his, his uh, slow uh, degradation through the series, you know, this, <laughs> yeah. this is really the pit for, for Patches. In, in Dark Souls 3, he's just going to be like a puddle of cells. <laughs> <laughs> um, with an I, accent, I, like, I love that patches. Uh, his like his evolution is exactly the same as uh, the character that MC Chris voices in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm gonna find the ancient demons. Cast the ancient spell. Six eight two Wharf Avenue. <laughs> yeah. The, um, uh, the uh, I like how patches in this game has become what we thought he was with CJ in the Demon Soul season. We're like, oh, he's actually a spider and legs lays eggs. <laughs> Remember? Like, isn't that weird? No. I, <laughs> we we I, went on a real long thing about how Patches, like it was like a goof about how Patches was part of like the lava bug. Oh, um, yeah. Life cycle. And then he turns into an insect in the most recent game. Oh, yeah. So the, he's the pupil form. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's very you know it's just us dorking around, but it's, it's canon. Wait, wait a minute, did we steer the development? Not to presume or oh, that was, that, what? A, what an amazing thing! I was like, no, we have better ideas than that. <laughs> don't, don't, like, don't don't take the because then the next one is just going to be like oh, all no. come like it's going to be on the next episode with CJ, and it's just going to um. Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> the fountain! <laughs> Dark Souls three. It ends in the fountain of seed. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, the pale drakes. <laughs> oh, uh, all's well that ends well. Yeah, just <laughs> you know, as everything comes out all right. Um, but yeah, this uh, 
Yeah, we'll we'll talk about patches, patches <laughs> here, and we'll we'll get into more of why. If if people who just kind of went through this area and didn't didn't have the strong reaction we did, we'll we'll mm-hmm. detail why we kind of thought it sucks. We should talk about getting there though, because uh, it's cool as we mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah. So so this uh, the path there is really hard, and that is a huge way for them to signal that you should not be here just mm-hmm. yet because of these two hunters. The one uh, which is probably the first time you're going to see the Tonatrus. Yeah. Um, and recognize how much is going to wreck your shit. And also, I mean, there aren't too many other places in the game where there's like one hunter that covers another. Yeah, almost none. Um, speaking of the, the another one's coming pretty soon, like mm-hmm. it happens in the Nightmare Frontier, actually. Um, but the uh, what I really like about this, though, is that you're given a lot of freedom in your approach, mm-hmm. because if you just kind of go on the path, um, one hunter is covering the other. If you sneak on the rooftops past the church, you can get behind the the back hunter and take out the backup first. Yeah, yeah. And if you control that fight, you can take that one out without the other one knowing. But if you back, if you go forward rather than, you know, kind of keeping it contained, eventually you'll run into another, uh, like, lanky sack man mm-hmm. um, who will, you know, complicate the fight, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're really hard fights, and, and hunter fights are always pretty <laughs> tricky. I hate it whenever hunters have the uh, have the shield, the board shield. It's always more effective than when I use it. Like uh, it's funny because the people I, we we talked about this. I think you might have been you who said it, but some or somebody else was on the show was saying how like in later new games the shield actually becomes pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if uh, I just never used it because the game taunted me out of using it. But <laughs> it's actually better than I think. It's like secretly the uh, oh, it's it's got all less scaling. That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, can't wait for that shield in the DLC. Uh, yeah, that, looks, that looks awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so you fight these two hunters. There's also an NPC uh, in this church who's not, I don't think he's the tonsil stone person. Like there's a weeping that comes from there um, at some point, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, by, by, the, by the time I get here, I need to like start a new game and just like make a beeline for this because usually when I'm down here, it's too late of a moon phase and everybody is uh, already, already uh, wolfing out. Yeah. There is somebody here if you go here before patches is set up. Mm-hmm. And it's not somebody who's that interesting, but like it is somebody holed up in a church that we don't actually get to get into. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird. Like it is very much like a, it looks like an official kind of church building, like a church outbuilding, uh, like a, a priest quarters or, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a parsonage. Yeah. 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 That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted there to be more to her, but she's kind of rare. Like you don't get to talk to her unless you make, unless you go here before you fight um, Amelia. Yeah. And, uh, and you have that kind of flesh wall in front of you. So it's very tricky to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you run into this kind of shrouded church is what they call it. And it's got this crazy font of uh, some kind of liquid in the middle. Um, and this building will eventually serve as a, like the foyer to the uh, to the unseen village, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is behind this door. But when you run up to this door, when you, as you obviously will, uh, anybody who has been grabbed by one of the uh, uh, the false gods in the cathedral ward will, will recognize this. Uh, a, a swirling portal will form around you, and then you'll be picked up by this uh, this horrible spider monster. Yes, and uh, at this point, you very well um, at this point in our playthrough, we have the blood moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see these everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it, it could also surprise you, and this could be theoretically the first time you get grabbed by one of these, which is which would be great. <laughs> you know, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so yes, these are the things that are represented in statues, um, which is uh, which is super creepy, and uh, they imbue you with enough frenzy. You die. Fortunately, you don't actually uh, lose your you don't lose any of your of your blood echoes, but this does. 
um, kind of like getting kidnapped to force you to wake up in a different place. Mm-hmm. Right next to a lamp, which means you're not trapped. Mm. It's just it's 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 falling forward. Right. And uh, uh, and one of these uh, <laughs> so and, and during the cutscene, there is a crazy deranged cackling voice that says, oh, Amygdala, have mercy on the poor bastard. Yeah. Right before which she our, kills our, you. Yeah. Our buddy patches. <laughs> so you end up in the, uh, the lecture hall. Um which uh, which I think lecture hall is really cool um, out of the areas we're talking about today, mm-hmm. even though it is kind of like a non-area. It's like the Valley of the Drakes yeah. of Bloodborne. A little bit, yeah. I was going to – I mean, it's not quite as bad as the Shrine of Winter. No, <laughs> but I, that's just a room. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, this is this is at least several rooms. <laughs> yep, uh, but it yeah it definitely is. I wish it. I wish there was more to it. Really. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely for the amount of the lore implications that this place has. There's it's it's so unsatisfying to really get nothing out of it. You the the things you you get a little bit about Bergenworth. Yeah. From it, um, like a little bit of that that backdrop, and it enforces more than having concrete. Uh, lore implications, it enforces some more kind of horror through learning um, theming mm-hmm. of the game. Like that is, you know, something in the game that's explicitly Lovecraftian and appeals to me a lot is this idea of uh, scholarship being tinged with horror yeah. and uh, and a school that's been sucked into a nightmare dimension. <laughs> and what happened to the students who were there when it happened, yeah. um, which we'll see, is like great <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I love this section gary you know when, when we were doing our initial playthroughs we were texting back and forth because we both saw something we just loved in this mm-hmm. but but two different things like this is like this is the the nexus of our interests because it's got that lovecraft angle but also this is silent hill as all fuck which yeah. is you know what happens when a physical place is you know sucked into this other into this other kind of like dark and dusky and uh kind of just not uh not not quite right world you know like this is this is the school building in the fog world you know it's also the highest concentration in bloodborne of locked doors oh yeah so the, the, the other thing has in common with silent hill yep. um, <laughs> yeah yeah and another thing about the area that um so uh for my job i'm a, i'm an architect and um so obviously i'll notice sort of how you get through areas and i i think Beyond being a school that's in a nightmare, there's there's no stairways in this entire building. I'm just imagining these students pre nightmare even just trying to climb up through these weird hatches, holding their books, and just it's no wonder how they ended up. Really, how how can it's you climb small. a ladder in robes? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The uh, well, they all have those little um, those belts that you wrapped books around <laughs> before people invented bags, I guess. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows that the bag wasn't invented until 1924. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it's where the flappers carried their uh, their you know, cigarettes. Their, yeah, their cigarettes and cigarette holders. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and I always wondered whether that was uh, a true thing, like that was true of the building, or the door we go to uh, that leads into the nightmare is would originally go to other parts of the school and is mm-hmm. still back on in Yarnum. Yeah. Like only yeah, part I mean, of it got sucked through. Yeah, it's 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 really it's kind of. Uh, I was trying to think earlier about where this even if so this came from Bergenworth, but I can't see a place in Bergenworth that necessarily even makes sense for it to have come from unless it was underneath Bergenworth, which is a strange place to have your lecture halls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's or that hatch. Just, 
Yeah, it would, it would either exactly. be the it's half, another ladder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor students. Or or it would be like just a campus that was off in the woods somewhere we can't see, like nearby. Like the Bergenworth we see is like the admin building. And then uh, nearby through like a little forested area, there's a campus hmm. where people actually go to classes and stuff. Um, that's I mean, that's a stretch, but like it is clear. It's funny because online there's a lot of discussion as to whether this is Bergenworth or Mensis. And like it gets frustrating because it's people who read the school of Mensis as literal. Yeah. Like yeah. it has to be an actual physical school, not like a school of thought or like, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a philosophy or order. Mm-hmm. which is what I always thought the school of Mensis would be. Like there were people who followed that and they do gather at a place in Yargul and we'll meet them later. Um, but it ne- doesn't necessarily mean that this is the school of Mensis. Um, it's really, for my own descriptions, it seems really clearly to be Bergenworth. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it wouldn't not make sense if it were uh, like uh, from a narrative standpoint and just where it's placed, it would make complete sense if it was associated with the school of Mensis. But when you get the trophy... It says that it's the part of the Ber- it's a Bergenworth lecture hall cast adrift in the nightmare. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the uniforms. Yeah, the students yeah. are carrying um, uniform that gives you know a little bit of like perspective on 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 what their mission was. And and my favorite thing, which is when you get the key to the lecture theater and you read the description, it says like this was once a place where architecture and art and stuff were studied. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and these students are just waiting for their professor to return. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. like, why is that like? A creepy idea. First of all, yeah, five yeah. minute rule, guys. If if Willem doesn't show up in five minutes, you guys can go home legally. Well, no, that's only if he's an adjunct, you know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. If he has but tenure, it, then you have to wait fifteen. And if a hunter kills one of your goopy roommates, you get straight A's. Yeah. Like those are all things that are true of, of college. Everyone knows that as a well, current just as a US undergrad. Well well, no, we never so we never see this in the actual world because they didn't account for the weight of the books when they built the building. So it actually sunk below the below oh. the below the ground. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh the, there needs to be like a like a Yarnum Snopes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Help these kids out. Classic goof train guys. Have fast. Yes. <laughs> And I, I mean, I honestly think that they're perfectly fine waiting because uh, I, I find that one classroom interesting because they're all carrying sedatives. And this, uh, this takes yeah, me back. Yeah. To, yeah, I actually got my wisdom teeth out in college. And I remember when I had a Vicodin and th- those were probably my favorite math classes. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that they're having a bad time. These guys are doing it wrong. They're supposed to have uh, amphetamines. <laughs> what, what if we're seeing maybe they're on all those sedatives and the reason why they look all melted to us is because we're seeing their like their attitude. <laughs> like they're not they're not melting they're just so chill. Like, they're oh, just yeah. in a they're just like melting into the chairs, man. Yeah, some, exactly. some of them it's won't a, even get up. It's a, yeah, it's a literal <laughs> you know depiction of what it feels like to be on ketamine. Like oh, wait, it really sounds like I know what it's like to be on ketamine. Um, <laughs> I mean, you guys know right? Like ketamine, like being in a K hole. High five. Yeah. Every once in a while, my my cat goes to the vet and I do a fucking snake bite wound on that shit. Take the afternoon off. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had one theory on why they why there were slugs, and this was actually when uh, I fell into the camp thinking that it was Mensis for a little while. And I think you guys would appreciate this. I was wondering if they were perhaps uh, slug like because they were pulled into the nightmare so fast that it left their uh, skeletons left in their the waking bones. world. <laughs> so they're just, oh, hey. they're just boneless people <laughs> in the nightmare because they were just pulled out so fast. <laughs> We do it's see like, a lot of skeletons, like so. There's, yeah, there's just skeleton. Their skeletons are just littering the world where they were standing when they left. Wait, so dimensional travels like being popped into a centrifuge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You, get, huh. you, you don't don't get your skeleton. We should we should describe what these things are yes. for people who are playing the the game vicariously <laughs> through us. Yeah. Um, so you, you you go through a little uh, a little lab room which has again more more vats of eyeballs. Eyeballs bigger than any like human eye would be. Eyeballs and uh, the like subject cages, yeah. like cages for animals in which inside there are little nightmare creatures. Hmm. Um, if you look at there, there's like <laughs> little, little thirty-two bit. Yeah, there's little terrible, terrible horror action games, <laughs> over-the-shoulder action games. There's little, um, and they're similar to what we're going to see later in the Upper Cathedral Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they're exactly the same because they look like a, but they could be like a smaller, more desiccated version of those. Yeah. So they're they're doing eyeballs, and they're also studying creatures from the nightmare directly, um, which which is interesting. Yeah. I hear. Mm-hmm. But you break through into a lecture theater, you know, uh, where they've, it's, it's a really old building. So they still have ashtrays on the desks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and you know, among the rows and rows of seats are these, um, uh, creatures, which are kind of humanoid at the top. They're wearing uh, kind of like caps and gowns a little bit. Um, and, uh, towards the bottom, they are completely gelatinous. Yeah. Yeah. They, they look like, um, they look like some depictions of, of Haster. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, Lovecraft stuff. Like they look like Haster. And um, also notable, yeah. they don't have eyes. They have gaping pits where their eyes should be. Yeah, because the eyes are in those jars. <laughs> like that's that's what you have to do to get into to fi caps. Hazing's <laughs> 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 fucked up, man. Yeah, just doing keg stands with eyeballs, like set eyeballs floating in sedative. <laughs> I'm never gonna do a, a Bergenworth bender. <laughs> the, um. But yeah, it is. Uh, so these guys, and they're they're not hard to fight. They give a lot of souls. Mm-hmm. Um, at both times, you can fight them. Um, the harder versions and these regular versions. A lot of uh, uh, blood bullets, um, mm-hmm. or a lot of uh, bullets, and a lot of uh, uh, souls. Yeah, this is a good so, uh, good farming place. Super super great. Yeah. Um, and they're not too hard. They can kind of spit like steaming goop at you, mm-hmm. and then have uh, like a, yeah. a melee attack. Yeah, they actually, I believe they they basically vomit into those little cups and then they throw it at you. Yep. Which yeah. is they're just You're gonna disgusting. Spew, spew into this. Like it, it's the it's the the walk past Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Oh man! Like, <laughs> I think we just like make we take turns grossing each other out with that yeah. reference. <laughs> uh, Migs, what did Migs say to you? Yeah. I like uh, the idea that they 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 realize that they can't spit enough to be a substantial amount. So they if they collect it, it is instead then, <laughs> then yeah. it gets much more distance and it's much more potent. Yeah, you gotta hang out with any of those guys who do cha and they just have this like <laughs> up in front of them that's just a, a fucking nightmare as well, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> it turns that it's like ah oh. turns into a monster who hoards your own spit. <laughs> yeah, are we actually gonna hang out? Like I can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to talk to you. What did, what is this? Like it's disgusting. <laughs> Can talk to you while you just have like a, a a bucket of phlegm you're just holding around. Why does why does why does your room smell like you're like you're baking a spearmint cake? Oh, yeah, you know, that's the spearmint oh, from the yeah. dip, and also the yeast from my spit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was a uh, I was a resident advisor in college, and uh, when we'd have to search the rooms at the end of the year, I always. Uh, didn't want to be the person who went into the room with the people who chewed a lot because there was inevitably a few dozen water bottles, you know, half filled oh. with spit in them. It was disgusting. <laughs> and jars. Like it, it is, that is like a nightmare, uh, like horror movie thing. Yeah. You could just replace like walking into a, a scary lab with walking into one of those bedrooms, which is like light filtering through that nightmare. 
Yeah. I keep saying nightmare, and it's not because we're covering in the episode. It's because those things legitimately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when they've sat for a while and it separates. Mm. When, uh, when we're talking about whether this uh, belongs to Bergenworth or uh, Mensis, this was originally a Bergenworth institution. These mm-hmm. were Bergenworth students. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't studying mens- things for, you know, for Miko Lash and the School of Mensis now, right. though. Um, because we do get evidence that they've fallen from their original purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a a bit uh, on their clothing where it says, the focus not on knowledge or thought, but on pure pretension would surely bring Master Willem to despair if only he knew. Wait, are they talking about us? Yeah, the, the, um, our pure pretension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, that th- that also goes in like their th- their dress informed the manner of dress for the uh, for the for the healing church as well. So mm-hmm. that is uh, I-, I always took that to refer to kind of the the, the healing church issuing any you know development of the technology uh, in favor of ceremony and pretension in order to control the uh, control the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really kind of an interesting thing to figure out, and I think these are the details in Bloodborne that just might not be answered. But the things I keep going after is like, when when did this lecture hall get put into the nightmare? Because uh, we know that it was after Willem, based off of that item description. After mm-hmm. Willem became, um, you know, uh, comatose Willem, no. but it's it's and then but it's so it's after that, and it just is interesting to wonder why it was cast in there, just um, exactly where that falls with, where was Mensis and where was the choir in their own research. All I can think is, you know, because this seems to act like a buffer between um, the version of Yarnum that we're in and uh, kind of the, 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 the dream plane, you know, the, 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 the capital N nightmare. Um, I, I almost think that this was cast off whenever, whenever Rom went from being, uh, you know, somebody who was studying under Willem to turning into this godlike being that was a buffer herself. Like when she inhabited the lake dimension, um, if if that process actually shook part of the college loose and sent it here as well. Yeah, maybe. Even though she she is like she's explicitly a wall, and these mm-hmm. are doors. Yeah. You know, like this is this is not meant to keep anybody in or out of the nightmare. This is the way you go. Yeah, you can't, but you can't have a, a you know a, a door without a wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they both bridge the gap. Yeah, or or are they're both situated at the gap? Yeah, they're, they're they're both placed between. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a small theory of mine, and one that maybe ties into the upcoming DLC a bit. But um, speaking about Rom, I I can't help but wonder if maybe the lecture hall was cast into the nightmare because of Rom, because Rom is that barrier between the Eldritch truth and all these dark rituals that maybe it got to a point where the school had fallen in Rom to protect what, you know, to protect these, to keep the waking world and the great ones separate cast the lecture hall into the nightmare. Oh, like, like, like saw that the college was uh, um, acting non-skillfully in terms of their pursuit and, Yeah, you know, acted to like a a kind of act as a bulwark. Yeah, Yeah, not just not just non skillfully, but dangerously. Yeah, I'm using non skillfully in the Buddhist sense. (laughs) Yeah, or or just um, they, uh, yeah, or like, and this is something that happens. um, Just doing some dork talk um, (laughs) in the uh, in the game uh, in in Planescape in Mm -hmm. Torment, and then also the tabletop game. There's that border town where you can. you know, do evil deeds or chaotic deeds and it makes the, you know, the barrier between the dimensions weaker and the town eventually gets shunted into chaos 
or you can fight the corruption and keep it in this like neutral plane. And maybe this was something where they came upon such great, uh, you know, it's insights, the wrong word, but the, the, they were delving so deeply that their kind of folly in pursuit of that literally just weakened that barrier and shunted them into it. Yeah. And now they're trapped on the other side because Rom is, you know, holding that together, even though like you can still get there while Rom's alive. Yeah. So she's not actually stopping you from getting to the nightmare. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's a one-way thing that she does. She just doesn't want anyone to get in from the nightmare, oh, but she's like mind the, if you. Yeah, holding holding the wall up. Yeah, yeah like exactly. you can you can pass her, but she doesn't mm-hmm. want you to anybody else to get get through. It's a one-way door. Or maybe Amygdala has more uh, has more influence that can break that and can break that a little bit like temporarily yeah. because if because he has we, worshippers in yeah. in Yarnum, like tons of them and active ones as well because we run into to patches. Yeah. So who who is actively trying to give people over to Amygdala <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you know so um, we run into him. We sh- we could we talk about that which. <laughs> We we keep it. We've, I think we've referred to him as Patches the Spider here, but at this point in the game, we don't know right. uh, that to be true. We just see him peeking through a door at a weird angle and kind of too low for someone to be standing, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things I've seen in the game. Where I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like somebody standing up straight and looking through a door. <laughs> like that, that's not. And then when I actually found it, like it was it was really great. But he says he did you a favor. Yes. Um, you know he's he's like you're good, and I think he's just being flippant because. Mm-hmm. He's patches, um, but that, that's what he says. I, I I don't know how how genuine he was in his worship at any point. Yeah, because uh, he does not seem that sad when when you eventually visit death upon Amygdala. It's funny that he's gone from despising clerics to being one. Exactly. Well, that's what that's why I think he's not really it. Like I yep. think he's just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, when in Rome, I'm half the, spider now. The, this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Win in Rom. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. But but I like how he's framing this up as like, hey, you're lucky. I'm giving you a taste of the divine. Like, you're just this clumsy, stupid hunter. And all of his interactions with you are marked by him uh, kind of lording his supposed superiority over you. And depending on your outlook, it's he's not lying, right? Right. Like, this is what people are trying to acquire. Mm-hmm. Some people, some of the factions of Bloodborne are trying to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what, what Mikolash does. Like, mm-hmm. he, he wanted to get here, and he and he succeeded, and it took him, you know, hundreds of people with cages on their heads, you know, to do it, um, to kind of focus or whatever, to end up transcending and getting into the nightmare permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is, uh, in, it's not necessarily lying. Um, there's only a couple of rooms in here. You notice that we're not talking about encounters and geography very much um, and focusing on item descriptions and the like because there's only a couple of rooms and a couple encounters mm-hmm. um this goopy students can ambush you mm-hmm. uh, but other than that you just walk around and collect some treasure and make your way to a to a door um some of those treasures are kind of interesting uh one of the things that i really like is you get this this is maybe our first mention of a britus or no that's the uh the shell maybe that we get in uh bergenworth oh the uh the phantasm i don't know that the phantasm actually um um alludes to a britus this this might be our first mention of Abritus, and I, I could be wrong about that. But we get yeah. the Augur of Abritus, which is a, a spell, a hunter's tool, that allows you to shoot tentacles out of your hands uh, that just knocks people down, essentially. <laughs> um, it's very useful. But it doesn't do very much damage. Arcane builds are bullshit in this game. Mm-hmm. But the uh, it does knock people down, which is useful. Uh, it, it does speak to uh, the fact that people have been through here. Someone from the choir, most likely from Mensis, was also coming through this place because in that... Bergenworth had no association with the Breedis, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and we'll see a little bit of evidence of that 
when we get to the nightmare of Mensas as well, <laughs> um, with a with a specific hunter we run into. Yeah. So yeah. like it was really cool, and I figured out that this like th this is not causing you to grow tentacles. You're actually using this um, otherworldly slug, which we found an empty shell from before. And I've confirmed that the anti phantasm shell does not mention Abritus. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but you're using this to kind of open up a little portal, and Abritus attacks your enemies through it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, um, there's also a uh, there's also a um, chalice ritual um, kind of reagent here, the red jelly, uh, which is kind of one of the stillborn uh, infants of a creature of unknown, of unknown origins. It says so. This is this is possibly uh, that like the result of uh, some of these experiments to try and um, you know birth a great one. Yeah, and it's it, it's kind of neat to get you know have these hints of chalice stuff later. I still think chalice <laughs> materials are a shitty reward. <laughs> and that's going to be a big problem with the next area we go into, Nightmare Frontier, which uh, on the surface has a bunch of cool stuff to look at and try to get. And then a lot of times it's just, oh, it's a fucking uh, cold bud flower <laughs> um, or cold flower bud. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, also, you're going to note that, you know, there's a whole other section to this uh, to this dungeon, uh, the uh, the lecture building. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to save that for when we uh, uh, go through the Nightmare of Men uh, Mensis because, it, you know, there there's kind of stuff that makes more sense once you're on that leg of the journey yeah, it leads right there so we're not going to go over the generalities and then describe this goopy students it'll just be a quick kind of run through yeah and because the nightmare of mensis is significant and it will take us uh take us a little while um the way you actually get to the nightmare frontier though um is there's just a door and if you look at it there's kind of this smoke <laughs> pouring from it which i really really like um and it says uh enter the outside i think um yep. when you when you stand in front of it oh that's great and then yeah, yeah and then which is which is a cool I like that phrase, um, and then you do so and you step into a big smoky, uh, swirling void. <laughs> Enter the outside sounds like a yes B side. Yeah, or or a lot like uh, Led Zeppelin album. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but you go through this and it gets you a loading screen and you wake up in this in this cave full of what appears to be broken tombstone fragments, um, and that is pretty much the entire. Uh, let's say geology of this of this area yeah, yeah, with, with, yeah it's a really yeah. a crappy title card zone for how good some of the other areas like uh like the um let's see like old yarnum or you know hemwick have these great vistas and you come into the nightmare frontier and you're in a cave <laughs> yep a cave, a monochromatic cave yes um you know at least when well you're in the cave um it looks they look like tombstones or like bits of rock that have just been carved yeah um but just the top is carved if you if they're they're weird like they don't exactly look like tombstones we run into things that do explicitly look like tombstones mm -hmm. later but they're giant sized yeah and uh, they're similar to the ones we found in the forbidden woods even though i don't think they're exactly the same mm -hmm. um i could be wrong about that is there polish uh, writing on them uh, no not not those ones not the ones that we found in uh <laughs> yeah um the uh so, so you leave here, um, and you go out into the sky, and like it is kind of striking at first, like it's sickly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it like the whole thing looks grotesque, yeah. Um, but then you you find out that this is you know the the blight town of <laughs> of this game more or less yeah. um, as you make your way through. So monochromatic and dreary, yeah. and uh, and just kind of samey looking, but without much much lore like we know that like i said we we talked about it earlier it's it's just a run-up really mm -hmm. it's just another section of the nightmare it's useful to suggest that the nightmare is unending and huge it's not just 
the little run up and and Mensis or uh, you know Murgo's Loft and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just not a uh, it's just not very very interesting. So yeah. we're we're gonna hit these beats mm-hmm. here, the things that are, but don't expect much. Yeah, it's it's refreshing to have another color palette. Is is a cool thing. Like this is this has this sickly orange and greenish pallor to it mm-hmm. um, across everything, and so I appreciated that. Uh, but uh, anything on the ground is, I think, uh, over designed is one of the words that uh, came up in the responses, um, and it is very much just kind of like cluttered, cluttered with detail to the point where it's actually hard to discern paths. Yeah, yeah. What I was agree. Your... I mean, I didn't have. Um, I'm. I'm. You know, uh, I'm I'm on record that uh, Bloodborne is my favorite of the series, and uh, that's very much driven by the story. and And uh, I do generally like the color palette, so I didn't have some of the uh, complaints that you guys may have had earlier about Yarnum. But even this area for me, it's it just it all blends together on the ground, and it just isn't interesting. It's too much to look at. It's really hard to keep a path here in a yeah. way that reminded me of like Valley of Defilement or something like that. Um, it is uh, so we run into some new enemies here, um, and these are the the Lorans, uh, Loran Silver Beasts, um, which are beast monsters that have these kind of uh, skeletal fronts, like these exposed rib cages, and uh, weird uh, sideways faces, like um, were they <laughs> Yugs or Nugs? Like another Lovecraft monster has a vertical mouth, mm-hmm. um, but they're just kind of beast. Uh, they have an electric discharge similar to uh, Parl. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's <laughs> got an electric discharge. Ugh, why are you saying um, that like it's a sexy thing? Because because it's a discharge. <laughs> Discharges aren't, aren't sexy, but they could be. Like it's just an accident of, of vocabulary that we ended up referring to spumming as as you know what it, what we do instead of saying discharge, which is just associated with medical problems, not medical delights. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, I think medical delights is a uh I think it's a category on like adamandeve.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this episode brought to you by no. Yeah. Um, I love these Laura and Silver Bees because I like uh, you know just any time you can see this progression of the uh, uh of uh, of a mutation, I guess. Like mm-hmm. th- these things are beasts that are on their way to becoming undead, right? They've got just kind of they they they're like the uh I don't know crimson heads a little bit from uh from, from from the remake you know mm. like this is this is the next stage of the scourge base that, that we've seen but they've got all these elements they're holding a torch you know they've they, they've got a little bit of intelligence left to them they have these parasite worms in them um that they'll attack you with uh that don't become a, a post-death right until later when you're actually in mensis but it's still very much kind of a part of their makeup mm-hmm. and also they've got these incredibly long tiring claws yeah yeah, I don't I I get I like I recognize what you're saying intellectually. I still don't like how they look. Uh cuz they just look like big piles of strings the same way that like Bloodstarved Beast does to me where mm-hmm. like or or Cleric Beast or or yeah. any of the the beast monsters that just like look too busy to me. Mm-hmm. Um just like, you know, and I kind of I like that design once, like the just mm-hmm. strips of flesh hanging down. Yeah. But Bloodborne does it constantly and like yeah. I just kind of get sick of it. 
I think this is the creepiest iteration of it. And also that that goofy sideways, you know, face kind of looks like a Muppet a little bit. Yeah, I like, um, their, I like their sideways faces. Yeah, like so I, I just that mixture of horrific and goofy like this is the closest that Bloodborne has to like a basilisk, I think. And, and so we just and we so just I'm, had I'm, the goofy students, it. dude. I know. Like we we just had a way better horrific and goofy. I know. Like, but the, the, yeah. we can have both and I think yeah. that this one's a little bit closer like it's super Oh, goofy. and no, no way, dude. And we we're going to go to Mensis where we have Murgo's attendants. Uh-huh. Who are goofy and and like way goofier. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I think these did not read nearly as goofy to me, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, um, to, to, to each their own. I hate to yeah. run to the subjectivity thing, but, like, I, I like the design of these things because, yeah, because, maybe, be, because they are just, uh, like, they're, they're next level. Yeah, yeah I'm taking I, a look at them on the, uh, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it's uh, something that can both stand on two legs and also chooses to move on all four is a very creepy thing to me. And when they just come skittering at you, if you get them <laughs> to get down, is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I like that they they do both both kind of things. I'm looking at some pictures now, and I guess part of what it is is it's hard for me to read the design on mm-hmm. them just because of the the you know floofy uh, hair and and strips of flesh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Their faces are really good. Yeah, I like the faces. Just the the um, whole thing is super unsavory, right? And just the like the like the ribs aren't just like bone white; they're actually like you know like like blood blood soaked, like like an actual living bone would be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I, I, I can I can get it. I can I can I can yeah. dig it. And they're, um, they're also really versatile in a fight. Like you're you're going to run up on situations here because the geography is so hard to read. Where you're going to try and take on one, and then another one's going to be right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. And they're not immediately aggressive to you. So like, you know, when you find them, they're like crouched over doing shit. <laughs> a lot of times or the first one is at least and they blend in a lot because everything in this area blends in they're organizing their magic carts yeah <laughs> yep um yeah that's yeah, why they, it's, they it's also sliver beast. A, uh, oh sorry that, that joke was for you brian wade um, <laughs> the, um hopefully you heard it go ahead sean Oh, I was gonna say, um, I actually I ran through uh my my second and third playthroughs with an arcane build and uh they're they're pretty much essential early game, which is also another reason why arcane builds are kind of frustrating because they drop they drop some of your first elemental gems hmm. that you need for oh, your yeah. weapons. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when you get a little bit further into this, we get the the bell maiden ringing a sinister bell uh, message. So <laughs> she will bring in um you know invaders is the idea. Um, it hasn't really happened to me. Mm-hmm much and i know like i've been invaded it doesn't really happen to me all that often around these these bell maidens yeah um so i don't know what's going on with that um because people have complained about the bell maidens online and everything like that but they've never been a big problem for me um not because i'm so good just because whatever (laughs) is supposed to be firing isn't firing yeah and i'm not it's not bringing in invaders i pretty much always get invaded here and this is a very strange area to be like a pvp hub yeah, because the ground is so uneven. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. How about how about you, Sean? Oh, uh, I yeah, I've, I've been invaded fairly regularly, which is yeah, it's it's a it's a poison frenzy area with PvP. I'm not sure what could make this area less friendly. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't usually kill her just to see, but um, on a run, my last run, which only took about a half hour through this area, um, I got invaded three or four times. Wow. Um, I wonder so, what is what is happening because I am getting invaded like I get invaded in other spaces, um, but I very rarely get invaded near the the bell maintenance. Hmm. 
So if anyone who's listening knows why that that's true, it would be neat if I was because I like the idea of of these things that up the it has a little bit of that uh, old monk mm-hmm. flavor to it, and I, I dig that like playing with the intersection of the PvP metagame and the main game and, and story. I like a lot, yeah. uh, but it just doesn't end up happening that often. I just end up fighting the two NPC invasions or the two hunters who are who are trapped here. Uh, are you guys ready for another episode of Cole's uninteresting PvP anecdotes? Yeah. <laughs> Am I? So, so I feel real bad. I feel very guilty because when I was playing in you know this area for the show and taking my notes, um, I got invaded by somebody whose name I forget. But you know, it was really close to the beginning of the area. And because the ground is so hard to read, I ended up uh, doing something that looked like I was trying to avoid a fight. So, you know, I'm 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 exchanging blows, you know, we're 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 exchanging viscerals and all of that. And uh, I'm I, I'm not not on the good end of it. It looks like I'm about ready to take a dive, so I'm taking a little bit of evasive action to try and uh, heal. But in my running, I actually forget that I'm running towards that big cliff that overlooks uh, Murgo's Loft, um, and I, mm. I, I I suicide. I jump off of the uh, off the side of the level. So it looks like I chose <laughs> I, cho- I chose <laughs> I chose um, uh, death over defeat, which is. Eh, not the most honorable thing, and it sucks because my character's name is BSC. Mm. So <laughs> I feel like I represented the show as people who wouldn't stand up to a fight. So, oops. Yeah, if, if whoever is listening, <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me of like the Dark Souls one days of like jumping off the cliff to avoid the person who had the curse gear, mm-hmm. like hacking, you know, yeah, um, or the deleveling uh, weapons. Ugh. Um, yeah, but th- these two NPCs would be really tough, except they're made trivial by the fact that they have a really, really short and really obvious leash, mm-hmm. which is the bridge that they're in front of. You cross a little bridge and they won't cross that bridge. So you can run back anytime you want and heal yeah. or get them, you know, backing away from you and attack them. Yeah. And, the, and so, these are two like NPC invasions to, to make sure that you get some kind of hunter fight in this area. If, yeah. If no, if no regular invasion triggers. Well, they're not, they're not phantoms. They're, they're just yeah, people. I guess that's yeah. why. So I, mean, yeah. I think they're they're just like regular hunters, but they do kind of have that theme of like you're going to be fighting other hunters. Mm-hmm. And the idea I think is supposed to be you're fighting them at the same time you fight invasions mm-hmm. or what have you. And again, it never happens for me. I just go to the bridge and they try to follow me and they can't, and I hit them in the face with an axe, <laughs> um, and and that does it. Um, there are tons of crystal lizards here, which are the the scurrying beast and large scurrying beasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> The one thing I like is that we this is the first time we run into the large ones, and the large ones are actually will fight you. Yeah. Um, unlike every other Souls game, <laughs> um, they won't fight you for very long, but they do try to take a swipe at you. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Dark Souls do have the uh, the red ones that would explode. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love the designs on these things. We haven't really talked about them. They've been around, um, but just the fact that they're made up of these faces is yeah. uh, is amazing to me. Yeah, these are really really spooky looking. <laughs> um. Yeah. There's a little bog down to your right that also leads to the shortcut that you can use to the boss, but uh, you have to unlock it. It's an elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this little bog, or there's a little ravine that leads to that, rather. Mm-hmm. Past that, there's a huge poison bog. <laughs> um, with these things called crawlers, they look exactly like aboleths from, from D&D, um, which I'm sure that that's what they're based on. Yeah. Um, and uh, these things are uh, just kind of creepy, you know, poison spitting slug slimy guys like squid guys yeah and their whole thing is they will gang up on you so there are big ones and there are tiny ones and uh they take advantage of your reduced mobility uh to really come after you Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Um, Um, and they're everywhere in this in this gigantic this this lake yeah and they're pretty much always put at like choke points and stuff 
Yeah, the mm-hmm. most the most interesting thing about them is that they have messengers inside them. <laughs> yeah, which is really weird. Yeah, yeah, and I'm right? I'm like, not sure why. I think nightmares are just uh, filled with things where you add messengers. <laughs> yeah, as well as we'll learn a little bit later. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I just I just like the idea that there's enough of them around that they've like fit into the ecology like parasites almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like just a uh, it's it's like that uh, that parasite that'll replace a fish's tongue. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah th- these messengers replace anabolis everything. Um, yeah, super spooky though. That makes them a really good design. And you can go through the whole game. The first time I played through the game, I didn't notice that messenger bit. Yeah, um, it's very easy not to notice. Same, same way the way the mimics have fingers for teeth. Um, it's very easy to mim- you know miss that. Yeah, you have to. Uh, you you really only see it if one rears up on you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing complicating, and this is a huge lake. Like, yeah. it seems like we're not talking about it. It's a pain to get through yeah. because it's crawling with these aboliths. And then there are also these giant lost childs who are giants um, mm-hmm. who look a little bit like the church giants, except further decayed, like nightmare yeah. versions of them. Like yetified. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. They look, yeah. They do look like yetis. Um, and they throw uh, boulders at you <laughs> that if it gets a solid hit, will probably kill you. Yeah. Um, and there are so many treasure traps <laughs> here. Like there are just a lot of places where there's, you're in the sight of one of these things and there's a treasure. And if you get the treasure, uh, that's it. Cause you're going to hit with a boulder and that's it for you. <laughs> treasure traps with shitty treasures. Re- pretty bad. Like they actually, they look like a man thing. Like, uh, from, from Marvel comics, like yeah. all, all who, you know, no fear burn at the touch of man thing. They look a lot like man thing. Huh? Um, that's weird. That's pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Or Swamp Thing if if you're a DC guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look at look yeah. at me, I read Alan Moore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is my southern tough guy who reads yeah, Alan southern Moore. Southern DC comic guy. <laughs> Darkest day and blackest night. Um, yeah, I think for uh, I think for me, for whatever reason, I, I always read them as like golems because compared to everything else that is hairy in this game, their hair is very matted down. And so it just reads like like stone to me for whatever reason the first few times I saw them. Yeah, like sculpted. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure what to think of them beyond the idea that perhaps they are meant to be um, infant, you know, they were uh, stillborn infant great ones. They were, they were, they're supposed to be at least calling upon those who weren't born. You yeah. know, the, when, when the great ones like, uh, you know, impregnated whoever in the waking world oh yeah but that like lost child like not yeah yeah exactly yeah or yeah or or like um miscarriages Mm -hmm. or or you know literally a lost child yeah that's like these are yeah yeah um yeah the um but regardless which these boulders i think are kind of bullshit yeah um they're not the most bullshit but they're kind of bullshit yeah they're they're just in a, a chain of a chain of bullshit that makes up the nightmare frontier this this area is like the hardest area to clear mm-hmm. in the game. Like if you want to other and we we covered the Forbidden Forest. Like if you want to just like clear this out and explore it and get all you know see everything there is to see and get all the treasures. Like it is such a pain in the dick. Mm-hmm. Like it is such an unreasonable pain in the dick to to actually do anything other than just make a beeline for the boss. And and it here. sucks because I don't know about you guys, but I never you know when I approach a new area, I never lose that curiosity. I guess mm-hmm. like I'll pick up enough you know cold flowers, which also is cool that there's just flowers growing in the middle of this desolate land. That's great. But I'll you know pick up a bunch. It's like man, that's pretty disappointing. Well, that next glow could be a new hunter's tool, so I'm gonna go for that. 
Well, you know, it's Bloodborne, so there's no good, there's no well, good I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that. No, I didn't know it either. And I kept hoping, like, this would be, eventually I was going to wake up from this nightmare. <laughs> the and, crust, and the crust gonna, would get here, yeah. Yeah, there'd be fun things to pick up in Bloodborne, but it just never happens. <laughs> um, because, like, the, the treasure, like, some of the treasures you get here are useful, but, like, it's the best things you can get are, like, sea runes, like mm-hmm. resistance runes. And there's one that, like, is, is like, it's really hard to get to, and it's fast <laughs> poison. When was the last time you got fast poisoned? In this, in this episode game. or in the in this area? It, I, it very rarely happens to me. Like quick poison, I get <laughs> yeah. slow poisoned all the time. Mm-hmm. Fast poison almost never happens to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, this area also contains one of the best trolls, which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, it's not fun to pick everything up. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, like you, it, the point is you go through a real huge pain in the ass exploration thing and you get a lead elixir at the end. And mm-hmm. then you're like, why did I do that? Um, it, it's just, it, it's a, it's a, a really good expression of a bigger problem with the game, I think. Um, which, you know, not everybody agrees with me on that, but I think it is pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Like these, uh, <laughs> the Lost Children, they become a real factor here uh, because the next little little set piece is this uh, kind of box canyon kind of thing where you're winding around the sides and there are all these uh, boulder throwers kind of uh, covering each other. It's like a sniper's nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, uh, the trick is when you get to one of the the lost children is to kill it quickly and then move. Like, you can't stop and get the treasure. You can't do anything because it's probably covered by another one. So you can kind of move through this area and clear it out um, if you do it so methodically one by one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you get to a shortcut here. So this is another one of those great shortcut areas uh, mm-hmm. where you can uh, knock down this tombstone obelisk to create a bridge. How, like, mm-hmm. how relieved were you when you hit this, Sean? Uh, it, it was so good. And it, I think it's a really, I don't know, it's kind of a comical way to get a shortcut. You just stand <laughs> on the edge of this thing and hope that it tips forward. Yeah, yeah. fuck you, whoever was buried here. Uh, <laughs> giant lost father, giant lost mother. <laughs> Lightning crashes, huh? Your tombstone <laughs> crashes. Um, I don't care that your di- child died in childbirth and became a, a boulder-throwing monster. Um, it's so good that there's a shortcut here though, cause we're going to run up on some serious bullshit here nice. real quick Be- before that we get, um, patches though, yep. patches of the spider, which this is a really easy encounter to miss, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame because it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, cause patches, patches is going to patch. <laughs> he's got, so. he's gotten more tricky too, because he doesn't just put a, put, put, put an item there and stand right, you know, stand right beside it, you know, barely concealing his laughter. No, he's out of sight. He's hidden in the grass. He does right? whatever a spider can. Yeah. <laughs> like, is he, is he trusty? Listen, bud, <laughs> he's got nightmare blood. It's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, he also just like tries to draw your eye to it by dropping all these coins. Uh, mm-hmm. So like this, the, the, this, this side of, uh, of it, if you can look past the visual clutter, uh, it's lit up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't take a note of what the item is uh, when, when you pick it up. I, I'm sure it's not good. <laughs> I, I don't remember what it yeah. is either, but it's, yeah, I can't remember either. Like best case scenario. It's like kin cold blood. Oh, that'd you be know, great. Like, like that's, that, a, <laughs> that's a free level up right there. Yeah, exactly. Like that would, you know, depending on when you come here, but oh, it's a, me- um, no, the, the swamp you get to gives you the messenger's gift. I thought yeah, it was messenger's No, gift, that's but, the troll. Yeah, that's the troll. That's where he sends you to. And that, that's <laughs> actually a pretty cool item. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, I don't even know what you get here, but again, it doesn't matter because yeah. like, oh, it's a madman's knowledge. Great. <laughs> I can take more damage from frenzy. 
Yeah. Um, oh, also, pro tip for anybody playing this: dump all your for all your uh, um, uh, insight before you come here. <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll see why in a couple minutes. Like insight ceases to pay off once you see the first amygdala. Mm-hmm. Like in the real world, once that happens, it's like okay, I've seen what insight has that will help me. There's no reason not just to spend this on anything I can. Yeah. And go through it low insight because there's no advantage to it. Like I, we talked a lot about how they could have made insight cooler. Another way I was thinking about would have been like, what if you got like a, you know more souls or something like that mm-hmm. when you when you had insight, like some kind of way to incentivize it other than just seeing stuff because you know roughly halfway or two thirds of the way through the game, that cool thing of like I get to see forbidden shit mm-hmm. uh, gives way to this is actually an act of detriment because you know the real bloodborne starts here. Um, yeah, it feels like they're almost trying to incentivize you to lower your insight, which is counterintuitive to you know what it stands for thematically in the game, as well as what you would assume you'd want to do with it. Yeah. Because yeah, there is really no payoff. It it almost feels like the uh, the insight messengers are running some sort of racket where they want to make sure <laughs> that you keep coming back to them. I knew there was a reason why I put them in those little fedoras, <laughs> so those little little visor caps, <laughs> those little poker chips. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and the stuff you can buy from the Insight Merchants isn't good enough to justify how much Insight I end up having to spend just to get my Insight low enough to deal with Frenzy. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get that. So you get that ambush. You get a little cutscene, which is great. Yeah. And uh, and this time he doesn't – there's no pretense. He just says, don't dally, you lucky scamp, <laughs> which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but like, you don't even know – like, it's still from his point of view. You don't see it, but it's just you, – you, you see your character through some grass and then spider legs kind of extend as he creeps up on you and then pushes you over the ledge. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a great reveal. Actually, in one of the trailers, I believe it was the second – to last trailer before the game released they showed that cutscene quickly in the trailer and i uh they I, you see the character falling and i, I immediately thought oh well, it has to be patches but I, I couldn't figure out why the camera was so low to the ground so <laughs> yeah. it, i knew it was coming but it was it was still a nice payoff to just have that fully understood and it wasn't bloodborne babies <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but he knocks you down um, into something that kind of uh, pervades this area, which is uh, these tunnels with the poison bog water at the bottom of it. Um, and this is kind of a big, uh, a, you know, a, a big appendix to this place, uh, which is full of these aboleths, um, and it terminates into like what I can only read as like the den of one of these winter lanterns, which is uh, this, I'm going to say controversial. I don't think we disagree. <laughs> I don't think we disagree on the winter lanterns. Like I'm of, I'm of mixed opinions about it as a holistic thing, but I don't think we disagree. There's yeah, there's gotta be somebody out there who loves these things. This is the first time we've run into them, but they are, they are the hardest enemy in bloodborne. I think what kind of widely agreed mm-hmm. uh, as far as regular enemies. And uh, they, they give you like, a, they're like, Black Knights, and that they give you a lot of souls. Mm-hmm. They're placed um, with purpose. Real quick before we talk about them, though, I want to talk about these ablets here. You know what I was thinking about when you were talking about, I was thinking about this tunnel you were just saying that you get pushed into, is how when people hate the demon ruins in Dark Souls, they say it's because it's just copy-pasted. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what the ablets feel like to me Yeah. in this in this level, is just somebody just, like, took the corner of an ableth on their tool and just plopped a thousand of them down you <laughs> yeah. know like they're not they're not thoughtfully arranged like the the giants are and the winter lanterns are but the abolists just feel like there's just a big floor full of abolists and and it's not very interesting like they're never that interesting to fight uh, as a result of that like it just feels and that's kind of some of that feeling i get from this this area is it like has a real visual sameness and the enemies just feel copy pasted 
And that's a bad feeling in a series and game, you know, game series that's about uh, intentional placement of enemies. But mm-hmm. we should we should talk about Winter Lanterns because we haven't uh, run into them yet. Yeah. And we've we've alluded to them so many times. <laughs> um, so so these are uh, they used to be called brain trusts, at least on the wikis, because they appear to have these massive brains for heads. Um, which when you uh, look at them closely, they're actually these bodies of messengers that are kind of like clinging together in this brain shape and there are eyes that are embedded within them. And this is perched atop what can only be kind of interpreted to be uh, the bodies of these dolls, specifically the doll that uh, you encounter in the hunter's dream. Mm-hmm. Or at least the same clothing yeah. of, of, of the doll, which is, which is a really cool you know, realization. Um, it doesn't, you know, I didn't read them that way at first at all, mm-hmm. like even remotely. And then it was pointed out to me. So I thought that was really neat. I didn't really pay attention to the clothes they wore because you can't, you can't stop and look at them. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a thing you can do. Right. Um, for these creatures. Yeah. So the way that these work is that, um, them looking at you will cause frenzy. Um, and we've talked about frenzy as being kind of this real bummer of a uh, of a statistic, but like what it means is essentially you're going to die if you're around them for too long. You can pop sedatives in order to um, kind of uh, reduce your accumulation, but uh, that is you're you're gonna you're gonna just like chow through those real quick. Um, and also uh, you can try and kill them, but they have these very, uh, uh, you know, they're very aggressive with these grab attacks, which will, you know, not do too much damage in and of themselves, but ensure that you get frenzied. And also it's not just when they look at you really, because they are surrounded with eyes. Anytime you are within line of sight of one, uh, you're going to have this frenzy build up on you. So that's not, that's not quite true. Um, no? they, they do have, yeah, they have a field of vision. Um, they have to know that you're there mm. and, and notice you. So even though they have all those eyes around them, you can be behind one and, and not be frenzied. Wow. Um, with it, it's not when you see them, it's just when they see you and, and, and the like, um, which I didn't find out you, there's no way to know that from these encounters. Yeah. Um, that only comes up in this weird Metal Gear Solid stealth section <laughs> of these things in uh, Nightmare of Mensis. <laughs> um, but the, the ways that friend, like these things don't work as enemies are like, are so many. So like, um, if you put on all the frenzy resistance stuff, the frenzy will still move at a rate quicker than anything else in the game. Like it moves up quicker than standing in poison, <laughs> you know, um, it takes time to, to chug us. You can only carry 10 sedatives at once and they're not trivial to get, you know, like they're not, uh, you can buy them, you know, but it's not like you're going to have 99 of them. Yeah. Um, you can only carry 10 at a time. Um, and the time it takes to suck down a sedative, your frenzy continues to grow. Um, the big thing, like, I mean, there are many things that piss me off about this, but one of the big ones is that it continues to grow even after you've broken line of sight. Mm-hmm. Like, we just did Doom for uh, for Watch Out for Fireballs, and they have the Arch Vials, which when they see you, they start winding up an attack. But if you can break line of sight, it cancels the attack. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, right? Like, that's that's a sight-based <laughs> enemy where it's like, I have agency over what happens. Here, it doesn't matter if you break that line of sight. It still takes a long time, not just for Frenzy to stop growing or stop Stop, or, you know, it doesn't just stop. It keeps growing even after these things can no longer see you for quite a while. So you can be fucked without even really knowing it or be fucked. And like, I've taken action, but it was too late. And now I just have to go, go frenzy. Yeah. Now I have to, now I have to redo this whole area over again, which it feels like it's disrespecting your time. Yeah, it is. It is. They're real bad. Like it is just, it's not fun. That grab attack is like, has 
I have a hard time avoiding it. I know it's not that hard to avoid, but I'm usually panicking when Frenzy is on the table. And the the grab part of it is so late in the animation that you have to roll later than I think. They have, like, really good tracking on it. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you roll behind them, they'll just turn around and grab you. Um, The... uh, uh, what would it, and it also when we talk about frenzy being this kind of thing where it's like oh you've seen something mm-hmm. and it's driving you mad it's not what's happening here it's something <laughs> nope. seeing you so yeah, like exactly. imagine how frenzy it, would it work seems, if, it seems backwards yep. yeah if if you had to avoid looking at it yeah that's really neat i was thinking like what about, if you yeah. had to yeah you had to traverse this un the shaky ground like staring at your feet Knowing yeah. that this monster was next to you singing, it's like, <laughs> and that if you caught a glimpse of it, it would drive you insane and it would attack you. I mean, it would turn the game into Slender. Yeah, which I, is, I guess that's true. <laughs> well, but like I'm the not, cool, the good part saying, of Slender. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that as a bad thing. Like it's it's a really cool idea. Or if you didn't want to get that conceptual, like Arkham Knight with it, then what you would do is uh, make it something that you had to fight, or you know, just uh, like bottleneck it in such a way that uh, you did have to fight it, and um, you would actually get frenzy by locking on. Oh sure, yeah, like yeah, the that, like that you know, like, like building the lock on mechanic into like okay, this is in the story, like this is you focusing on this thing, but this is something so abhorrent that actually doing that will will, will be detrimental to you, like inter in, interleave the play like that. Yeah, that would have been really cool too. Like there there are lots of different ways to handle the idea of something where line of sight drives you mad. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the I even like it better when it's handled with the brain of Mensis later. Mm-hmm. Um, because the arena is built for it. And yep. even the second encounter with the Winter Lanterns is better. Yeah. Uh, or the one in the Nightmare of Mensis, even though it's still not great, but it's better than this. Both times you run into them, this one where you're trying to get this this treasure in this little trap area and the one that's on the critical path um, to walk. If you don't get pushed down by by patches, mm-hmm. um, there's one on the cliffside that you have to pass. Um, there is no cover. <laughs> there's like not really a way to break that line of sight. Yeah. There's no way to get close to it without it seeing you. So you're already getting that frenzy built up. (laughs) And its attack is just a grab attack to stop you from sucking down a sedative. Like, it's that thing of Bloodborne where, like, you have an active way to work with the mechanics, but the enemies, instead of, like, they just, their their defense against that is cancel your way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, just a grab attacks in this game I really hate. Like, it doesn't, not only does it fuck up regain, it also fucks up this one way to defend against this bullshit status ailment yeah uh, i think i think the uh the winter lantern down in that cave really just in one moment just symbolizes everything that i don't like about the nightmare frontier and the fact that you're getting poisoned there's too many enemies that are randomly placed so your frame rate drops and then on top of that at the end of this cave you have to deal with a winter lantern with practically no cover and it just it there's yeah. the bloodborne and the souls games always straddle the line of being like an asshole, but this is like, you always feel like you have a choice. This is very clearly a moment when I could juggle one, maybe two things, but this is throwing just far too much at you at once. It just feels like it's trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. And, w- and what's even crazier about this, not to just <laughs> complaint upon complaint, this is probably the most difficult encounter with a Winter Lantern because of that lack of cover and because it's kind of like leading you into this uh, Winter Lantern standing at a dead end in this very narrow place. Um, your best hope is to like lure him out of this place. Um, however, like you don't know that behind him is just like a little, you know, uh, corner that has this messenger's gift item 
um, in it. You may think, like I did, that this is uh, a way that you need to go to proceed. And so this is a crazy bottleneck. And so that's why I call this a troll, almost, is like there's nothing really useful behind this. And it's also one of the most difficult encounters with one of the most frustrating enemies in the game. Yeah, or at least not difficult single player. Like the messenger's gift is fun. Like if you're invading, like it turns you into messengers. That's yeah. fun. Um, but it's not, uh, it doesn't feel worth it for the difficulty. Like, and especially for something you get pushed into where like all in the past when patches has pushed you into something, like there's treasure down there that's useful, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like things that make it a little bit worth it, you know, even if they do end up being just mm-hmm. some souls, you know, um, this just doesn't feel like that. <laughs> and I, patches isn't the only way to get, uh, to get dry down here, uh, too. There's yeah, a pit true. you can fall down that'll get you here as well. And there's yeah. also just a way to walk in. Like it's real. It just, yeah, I just, I really, I really hate these things. And there's another one. What it is, is when they don't design the environment around them is the biggest problem. Like they, they suck in general, but like in these big open areas and then the later one, we're going to get to Mensis where you fight the three in the middle of your solid section and it's fine. And then you get to the one that there's no cover. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why, why do that? Like, it just <laughs> like, I don't get it. It doesn't, uh, it just such a, it feels like just like a bad decision. And I hate Monday morning quarterbacking game designers you know even though we do it enough but i i feel bad about it Mm -hmm. you know like i i wasn't there and yes it's it's relentless and yes it's hard and those are things that they want the game to be but it just does that thing where it emphasizes the things i don't like about the souls games you know just difficulty and shitty feeling like there's no hint that they're coming like Mm -hmm. you can maybe hear singing but if you you don't know what that's there like that's only if your insight's high enough too yeah that's true yeah but even then it's like the first time you see this, how are you supposed to know how to deal with this without an immense amount of trial and error? And if you missed that first shortcut, like you're running through that whole fucking swamp every time, just die to this thing. Yeah. Like, which is what I did. Cause I didn't find that <laughs> gravestone like right away. Um, that yeah, just like built up me. so much bad will towards this thing in this area. Yeah. You know, just going through that boring poison swamp so many times <laughs> yeah. and just going through and fighting this stupid winter lantern that's on the cliffside mm-hmm. so many goddamn times. Like, <laughs> so I love the visual design of these things to to, oh, yeah. to to keep to keep positive on it, like and also like the sound design. That song is super creepy. I can't make heads or tails of what lore purpose they serve. Oh, I don't. I got nothing. I, you got, do you got anything, Sean? Uh, it's it's yeah. It's it's stuff. I've I looked around online to see what people are thinking. Really, it's there's a lot of talk about it. You know, it's just that the nightmare. You know, because of its relation to frenzy, it's just embodying these things that you thought were helping you. And twisting them in an evil way. I'm not really sold on that. I think, I think if anything, that it's just, you know, it's just that the messengers from pre-release stuff said, you know, that they're from the nightmare. Messengers are part of the nightmare, and just, I think the the doll, if she relates to anything, is just the fact that she's there is just about past hunters possibly of coming through this area. Yeah. Maybe just relating to the hunter's dream because perhaps the hunter's dream is connected to all of this as well in some obscure way. But it really, it just feels like what they do in the Nightmare Mensis in some of these areas where they're leaning on the nightmare way and like, oh, this makes sense because it's a nightmare, which isn't my favorite aspect of these. Dreamy weemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I could see the hunter's dream actually being a uh, um, like a far off place in the nightmare, honestly, because like when you look out over this cliffside, you see those kind of crucifix things sticking up in the distance. Right. Um, similar to the way you see those arch tree like posts sticking out um, from kind of the foggy vista um, in, the, in the hunter's dream. And so I can totally I can totally understand uh, like if if something like this was pulled in and the the aspect of the nightmare in a silent hill kind of way taking this and twisting it like that actually feels pretty satisfying to me but um you know there th- th- that's more of like a symbolic logic than anything that actually is tied to something that somebody made like this is yeah. taking taking our ideas and turning them into a force of nature within this other realm that is like susceptible to our uh, to our interpretation you know what? What I, I just had a horrible idea that would have been a, a way worse for these th- idea for these things <laughs> is that they're supposed to be an inversion of the doll. I wonder if at some point in development they toyed with the idea of them draining levels. Oh, because fuck. it's this idea of like the dream version of the doll that levels you up and the messengers they're there that give you weapons and help you out. And here's this kind of gross mishmash that actually takes levels away. Mm-hmm. I know they haven't done level drain, you know, since since Demon Souls, as an actual thing that enemies can do. Yeah. Um, but I wonder like that almost makes sense for them as a reversal. And I wonder if Frenzy was like, we need something on that par as far as difficulty, but not quite that dickish, <laughs> you know, or I mean, not dick, not, not, not nearly that dickish. Like level drain is the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any way, like, yeah, it is, there are a lot of kind of ways you can kind of twist it to defend them other than visual and audio design. <laughs> I don't think they work. And I'm glad that they're really rare. Yeah. Um, yeah I think uh, there's like you- seven of them in the game. So, do you know what that uh, the song is? I I I've, I've read threads where they're trying to look at it. I the only thing I heard that is maybe it's a version of Murgo's Lullaby, the uh, song mm. that you play against Gascoin, mm. and that you'll hear later on in the game. Yeah, I thought it was Old Gray Mary, what she used to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, old nightmare. It ain't what she used to be. Um, <laughs> you got all these people coming in, ruin the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> all no, these hoity-toity academic types. I, I haven't had a chance to like stop and actually pay attention when I'm by these things. Like yeah. that's another thing is that like the things about them I want to appreciate, I can't appreciate because I'm fighting them because if I don't, I die and then I can't appreciate them anymore. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, is a, I, a, I definitely did not discover that there were messengers or that it was the doll based upon my own playthrough. That was something I found on the internet because I'm, I, I will admit I've killed probably a handful of these through three or four playthroughs at this point because I just I just run past them and take the hit honestly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll dash and chug. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get past the ones on the cliff, um, and you get down into this little area that leads to those caves that we mentioned, um, and these kind of uh, uh, tombstones and this kind of rocky, different looking area here. Um, you can head up to the right and find a really useful shortcut. Um, to the very beginning of the level, um, which is great, and yeah. you, you want to do that. Um, <laughs> but if you go to the left, you go up to this kind of huge uh, coliseum, <laughs> and which looks like a coliseum, like it's a big circular arena. Yeah. Um, where we fight the uh, the boss for this area, um, which is Amygdala. I love the way that uh, Amygdala enters the fight because uh, she is kind of perched up on this building too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is their natural state. <laughs> and uh, it's a pretty fun fight. Like it doesn't feel like um, 
like a tip, like a bloodborne beast fight no. because amygdala is slightly less aggressive mm-hmm. than one of those fights like she's not always up in your face like she's got reach on you and she knows it <laughs> um, which i like a lot yeah um, this is probably the biggest um level quality to boss quality differential that i've encountered or at least that comes to mind well those chalice dungeons are entirely that I suppose. Like, mm-hmm. like that's that's the level quality to boss quality differential <laughs> Infinite, for ten hours. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> that, 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 that's asymptotic. I understand, yeah. but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in the main game, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Um, but um, I don't know. I really, really like this fight, and uh, I aced out Amigdala the first time. Uh, which was which was super fun. Um, I was worried that that was just going to be uh, the uh, memory leak thing. Mm-hmm. Like my entire second half of my playthrough is now in question. Um, but I aced her again this time too. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Yeah, she's not that. She's not super tricky. Uh, Sean, what a, can you want to talk a little bit about the first time you uh, you fought Amigdala? I I uh, actually think I did have the memory leak going the first time I fought Amigdala because I just I just crushed her on the first try. Uh, and you know I was using the axe, so I think it was a good usage because I just stood under her and you know just spun around until she died. Honestly, hmm. but uh, coming against her, I actually I had some trouble with my arcane build just because uh, pretty pretty decent elemental defense. But um, after I got into the move set, you can. Uh, I don't know if it'd be considered cheesing or whatever by the community, but if you uh, if you stand behind Amygdala and force that leap attack, you can basically just if they if she leaps when you're standing behind her, you just do a 180, just charge an attack, and when she lands, you just hit her in the face and repeat until she dies. Hmm. Yeah, and the trick is not to move, I guess. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I read about stuff. that when I was reading about the boss. Like I never actually yeah. never did that, but I, I read about it. Yeah, yeah so. that's that's the only way I got through uh, a later version of Amygdala, which I'm sure you guys will have fun covering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, she she is this gigantic spider beast, um, and she has these the, the, these legs that have uh, tremendous reach. Um, and kind of the, the the fun part of this is, if you're in close to middle range, um, that's where you kind of want to be because when she attacks, that's when she makes herself vulnerable. Because those are those are kind of the easiest things to damage, and sometimes she'll just roll them out like a red carpet for you to for, for you to smack with a with, with your weapon um, and break the metaphor. Um, and when you stagger her, she will kind of lower her head, and that's where you can do kind of the most damage to her. If you try and stay at a distance, what she does is she has this laser attack, which like paints explosive on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that aesthetically. It's also pretty fun too because like you know at least that first time you think okay i managed to dodge it but you don't you don't know that there's a, uh, the other shoe's gonna drop yeah the um i like that the uh uh you can you have a big enough arena to make that work right like you can run to the left or run to the right and you know that other shoe's gonna drop but there's enough space here to maneuver mm-hmm. um which ends up becoming a thing when they recontextualize this boss Yes. You know, like you can fight it really close up. You can also fight Amygdala at a distance because all of her attacks from a distance are telegraphed in like a fun, fair way. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is another one of like the Souls bosses where once you get the patterns down, you can you could go through without getting hit. You know, like it's not a duel, but it's it's one of the most successful implementations of like a big monster. You know, like I like it more than Seath. I like it more than the Manus. You know, like it, it's uh, you can you can figure out. You don't have to. The camera's not your enemy. You can keep whatever distance you like, and you can usually see all parts of the fight, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. Um, I also like that uh, 
one thing that's interesting is that laser painting the ground thing is that the false amygdala, there's one that can do that mm-hmm. later, which has some kind of like, the other ones are just look like idiots, you know, like they're just <laughs> hanging out on the, the side of the building and you know, your weapons pass right through them. Like it's possible they're literally projections, mm-hmm. um, but there is one that affects the world in a concrete way. Yeah. Um, a little bit later, which is kind of interesting. Nice. Yeah. Uh, halfway through the fight, she rips off her arms <laughs> and will like, use those to gain re- reach on you. She pulls the old LG. Yep. Life's good. No last giant. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that uh, that makes her more difficult. Um, you know, if you if you expected her to not have uh, the kind of range because it's a really big arena and you can, for the most part, kind of like outpace her. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can you can make wide circles around her and just get in hits when you can, and you can do it that way. There, if you're brave, you can. There are easier ways to do it, but it does feel like similar to older Souls games. Like caution is also mm-hmm. an option. Yeah, here, which I really like. Yeah, I just I just like the idea that um, out of frustration, and I, same thing with the Last Giant. It's just funny that with the Last Giant, you kind of got the idea that it was like a hindrance, but with <laughs> Amygdala, I can't figure out. What sort of logic leap is like, well, I can't reach them, so I should rip off my arms because that'll make it easier. <laughs> it, is, it is the angriest one can be to rip off their own head. <laughs> yep. And then it just sprays for the rest of the fight out of those stumps. It's uh, very evocative. Uh, she figures I've got 10 arms I can spare too. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably grow back. But, um, you know, one of the little bits of lore that we get about her is that, like, we're not fighting a, a god at her full power here yeah like you know when you go talk to patches after you uh you know slay his god um or what he claims is his god you know he says oh think not of poor amygdala um upon that piteous bastard you bestowed salvation so you're kind of doing a mercy killing on this by patches logic which again who knows how you know if he's just saying well -uh, that wasn't so cool she was weak and old but like you know, I like that idea that we're only able to 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 go after something because it is compromised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also is, uh, and this is a very hazy area for me, at least for the lore. Is there's also the implication that you didn't really kill Amygdala; you just killed Amygdala there at that moment. If yeah. you can kill a great one, yeah, Amygdala Prime. I mean, it's it's very much like an EverQuest kind of thing. You can go to the plains and kill what appears to be Inaruk, the god of hate, but actually, it's just the 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 the, the physical version that it projects into its uh, home plane. Okay, I will yeah. hand over my lunch money now too. <laughs> <laughs> it's avatars upon avatars. Yeah. These are aspects of an unseen, an intangible thing. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, Amygdala drops the ailing Lauren chalice, um, which is a skull, which, like, someday before I die, I would like to drink out of a skull. <laughs> and the, but it's got yeah. that big hole at the bottom. I know, but, like, a, a, a skull of... An enemy? I'd still, I'd still drink out of it. I'd find, I'd find a way. Okay. Just, just plug um, it up. <laughs> yeah, the um, yeah, just uh, I'd, I'd figure it out. I didn't say it had to be removed from somebody's head. <laughs> um, I'll just I'll just hollow out the top and fucking end of uh, uh, Hannibal that shit. The um, I want I want to drink out of your skull. If you're listening, don't worry. Oh, Ray Liotta specifically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It looks like you got. It looks like you got good looking skull for drinking. Um, so that that's another thing that connects this area to to Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, we we get to go see Ailing Lauren mm-hmm. and all the the amazing mazes they're in um, <laughs> at a later date. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, there's no. That's the reward you get here. It's not on the uh, 
the critical path. Right. So. Yeah, and I think the uh, I think the Loran Shaws just serves to potentially show that the Nightmare Frontier, whenever this version of what you've seen is created, I think it's just supposed to be a reflection of Loran when it fell or to yeah. sort of embody that. And, you know, that's obviously supported by the uh, Silver Beasts, which are there, which, you know, with Loran Silver Beast. And then just the idea um, that is also kind of found at the level is, I don't know about you, but it looks kind of aquatic to me. And uh, I always hmm. got the idea that it was um, this place because the, the, one of the chalices, I believe, says it went to the sands. And it's just this idea and that this place dried up, which is interesting when you think about the number of uh, deep sea ruins are there, which kind of support that idea. And the idea that it's sort of symbolically showing that this land no longer is protected. There's no volume of water, you know, to guard oh. against the Eldritch truth. This in the, you said there were crucifixes in the distance, but I always interpreted them as masts of ships oh, in wow. order to sort of throw out that idea that this may have once been an area that was, you know, by the sea or very wet. And now it's just this poisonous swamp with the tombs of Loran and those Thumerians who died because they were too exposed to the Eldritch truth and yeah. this nightmare, and maybe even Amygdala was a creation of the fall of Loran. Yeah. So it's like a step. It's like, oh, this is this is an above ground version of what would be at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes you wonder if then looking toward Mensis, you know, if all these areas are just reflections and nightmarifications of a point in time when <laughs> the Thumerians fell, which may have co coincided with Murgo's birth or lack of birth. Oh gosh. And the nightmare yeah. is just kind of like building out its uh, uh, geography by assimilating it from the real world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of the idea like, um, I don't, it's hard to talk about these areas because they really apply to later areas more so, but this idea that, you know, there's the dream and the nightmare, and maybe the nightmare is just a, a flavorful way of saying, you know, kind of a gross place. But I often wonder whose nightmare it is, and maybe maybe these nightmares are actually of someone grieving over what couldn't have happened, and maybe this is um, sort of Erden, mm -hmm. Erden's nightmare in, in the sense that he's tortured by the fact that Murgo and the Thumerians couldn't give him what he wanted, yeah. which is reading very far into the lore, but it's sort of, it, it takes just an area that doesn't have much and gives it just a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm fond of it. Like, the idea that it's called the nightmare because that's how we experience it. Like, yeah. like that, that's the way that it, that, that it's gotten there. And this is, this is the human word almost. Yeah. yeah it, it is. Uh, that makes sense. And then the other thing that ends up, the other reason it would be a nightmare and it's a more literal interpretation, but like, and th this is more when we get into end game discussion um, or like literally the endings is that one of the endings suggests that everything we've been doing has been dream. And then this is set up in, in contrast to that, mm -hmm. you know, like there's, there's a thing, you know, there's, we could literally wake up from this. Mm -hmm. um, and it depends on whether you think that is actually happening or true. Um, and we'll get into it. Um, Part of like some of the supposition, like I like that supposition, John. Part of the uh, the it does like rely on a certain amount of dreamy weeminess, though. Yeah. Um, in it, which is like is not your fault at all. It's just kind of a bummer about when you introduce dream worlds into things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's 
that's how I feel about it. And hopefully the, the, the DLC supposedly is going to be very nightmare focused. And I'm hoping that sheds maybe a little light at least as to far as how, how, you know, Miyazaki and From felt about these areas and that maybe we can find out that it's not just supposed to be dreamy weemy. Cause I, I'm not, yeah, a I would, huge I would love that. Yeah. And especially since it looks like the DLC takes place in the past, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we could see how some of this stuff happened. So like actually seeing the departure point, of some of the stuff would make a big difference. I don't suspect that's what's going to happen, but I would love it if it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, I think, and you know, this is obviously just speculation, but if, if the nightmare frontier is supposed to show a falling lore and as if the nightmare is representing a, a place in time, I'm assuming that it won't be literal time travel, but just traveling to the point at which the nightmare was created. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a like a current representation of that that time yes. because we know that like you know that if this was lauren at that point like that is uh lauren is no longer like that like we go to lauren and what could passes for the real world of the yeah, game exactly. and it's not like this um yeah yeah well i mean i guess i guess we'll see um with that stuff but yeah it is uh it's it's tricky and it's tricky to to justify when we start uh creating suppositions about this it is tricky to justify with the the three endings yeah. yeah. Um, which we will talk about, you know, in early next year, I guess. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I like, I really like the idea of this used to, this being underwater though, because it does have so much of it is like a valley or like is concave um, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So make, and the, yeah. And the crawlers are very aquatic. Look, yeah. you know, just, just that whole idea. It, it really seems to fit for me, and that's one of the few things that I really think you can pull out of this whole area. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, it's still my least favorite area in the game, other than yeah. just chalices <laughs> in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any any anybody any other wrap up thoughts other than that? Yeah, cool. I'm happy that there's a better nightmare waiting on the other side. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. <laughs> like that's uh, the. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to discussing that one, and I really like the the Nightmare Events. It's like it's not just better, like in comparison, like it's a, actually a really great area in the game. Yeah. So it's kind of a pill from here, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, next time mm-hmm. uh, on the show, um, we are going to be discussing Yarhagul, the Unseen Village, um, and uh, with uh, Steve Gaynor from Gone Home, uh, Fulbright, mm-hmm. and the upcoming Tacoma game yeah. um so really looking forward to that yeah um i've met him a couple times he's a great dude yeah oh, that's so. i'm looking forward to talking about this area i'm not looking forward to replaying this area because it is still incredibly difficult i really like this area i like it too it's so good but it's so hard it's it, pretty, it is hard. it's pretty quick though yeah it is it's fairly quick it's also i find it it is hard i almost think that this area is harder mm-hmm. than that at least for me yeah just because of the, the enemies you face but it is right hard yeah um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what we're talking about next time. And then after that, we got some specials and stuff coming up. Um, one little bit of admin stuff we want to go through uh, before we we sign off is that we also kind of changed our scheduling around um, with the DLC coming up to where we're not going to be covering the remainder of the chalices in one episode rather than two. Um, it, that seems like a lot of chalice, but <laughs> honestly, there's so fucking little to say about the chalices <laughs> as individual levels that I think we could, we're just going to do a boss rush more or less. Yeah. And, and get through the rest. I will I, I will restate that just in case people misheard you like I did. We are covering them in one episode rather than two. Yes. It sounded like you said you, it was it was going to be the other way around. Oh, no. Sorry about that. 
Yeah, we're just going to be, we're going to do chalices and then do one thing where you guys can tell us what you think of chalices and then I'm never going to touch them again. (laughs) (laughs) Until the DLC, which is going to be all chalices. Yeah, you have to get the the, uh, Yarnum stone or whatever. Uh, (laughs) The ring, yeah. Yeah, the ring, the ring of betrothal to... uh, Unlock the old hunters. You have to, to propose to, to, to the hatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to propose to Jura, so you have to have him alive as well. <laughs> Everyone starts an entire new game and does all the chalices again. Yep. Um, I don't think that will happen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that that will be scheduled sometime down the line. I want more time to slog through those. Me too. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, Sean. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can uh, you can find me at thelorehunter.blogspot.com currently and that's where I'll be posting you know great content that people post I post bonfire side chat up uh, when the new episodes come out and I pull stuff off of reddit and basically wherever I can find it on the internet you know and then I'm I'm in the slack I'm on twitter at the, at the lore hunter so I'm around yeah yeah recommended uh, check that out and uh, and follow follow Sean yeah for that stuff um yeah, what, uh, where can people find us, Cole? Well, people can find us. Um, uh, well, there's a bunch of places. Uh, we usually mention the Facebook, which is facebook.com slash bonfiresidechat. Um, we never really mention our own personal Twitters, but I am at Cole Ross. That's K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. Yeah, and I am uh, Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Mm-hmm. If you search for Gary Butterfield, it comes up with the WAF podcast Twitter, which I don't check as much. Yeah. Um, so uh, G-A-R-B-U-H is uh, the one I actually use. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick before we continue on to since this is the first episode recording um, I want to say a quick thank you to everybody who's listening who supported my Kickstarter yeah uh, my Kickstarter ended and it was a great success and uh, you know I'm chugging along with that but I know that a lot of people who listen to the show pitched in and I want to say thank you to yeah. them including you and uh, you and Sean Cole yeah so thank you guys yeah, and, uh, to that. Yeah. yeah thanks I'm... everybody listening and thank you guys in person yeah I want to see it exist, and I'm so happy that it uh, that it was as successful as it was. And all that stretch goal stuff is going to be real cool. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm really awesome. looking forward to it. And <laughs> and I didn't since I didn't get the chapbook. I'm thinking about whether I want to roll some of that stuff into the the ancillary material mm-hmm. that was going to be in there, and that's that's fun because yeah. the the character the Artos the Void Saunter is a <laughs> is a fun character who makes a very brief appearance in the actual novel. <laughs> so it would be fun to to spend some more time with him. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that is the Souls of Darkness, which is going to be a book. Um, which uh, is yep. going to be coming out here, um, not soon enough, but soon. Yeah, I'm. I, I think that uh, in the interest of disclosure, I think that the book will come out definitely on time, and a lot of the rewards, some of the other stuff that needs to be written and done, mm-hmm. like the audio play and and the prepare to cry video, mm-hmm. might take a little bit longer, just because I have to work with other people. Yeah. Um. So that's a that's a thing. Uh. Yeah. So by the the book should be out in November. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, and then there's the uh, the Patreon. Speaking of crowdfunding stuff, thank you everybody who has contributed to that. That is helping us do cool stuff like doing this uh, Ohio Game Developers Expo, uh, which yeah. we're going to be coming up on. We have the flights and everything for that, and I am super excited. Yeah, that's in that's in November. So if you're yep. in uh, uh, Ohio, um, head on out. Yeah, that is at that. the at COSI, which is in Columbus, Ohio, um, and it looks like we're, we're, the the schedule isn't entirely firm yet, but it looks like we're going to be uh, going on uh, on sa- Saturday, November the seventh. But uh, yeah. that could change. We will uh, blast out the channels as soon as we have that. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to have some ringers there. Like mm-hmm. this is kind of a first for us. Like we've done panels for Watch of Fireballs, but this is our first Souls related thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, having some friends around would be nice. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I think there's probably enough admin stuff. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, again, thank you, Sean. 
Yeah, thank and, you much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, was, it was a pleasure. Um, you know, and I, I talk to you all the time on Slack. It's fun to, to talk to you, and, and I'm close to real life, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what is real though? Like, it could just be. Uh, so the um, yeah, the Skype night, the 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 Skype <laughs> Skype Mayor Frontier. Um, the, uh, <laughs> oh, Pat Packet lost the spider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Into the VoIP. Um, <laughs> so. Um, I like packet lost the spider. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, until next time, what should they do? Oh, cool. don't dally, you lucky scamps. Umbasa. Umbasa. Thank you, Sean, for Umbasa. Oh, of course. <laughs> I love it when people Umbasa. Yeah. Um, I, I do it at work, too. I love, <laughs> I love it when you call me Umbasa. I love it when you call me Umbasa. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.